Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, if you'd all like to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41 and we'll um, get ready to start here. Let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. And even more, thank you for pouring out your spirit to us to make known your words to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis 41, we're going to just uh, look at this chapter here. Not the whole chapter, but okay. Verse 1, it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored, lean flesh, stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean flesh kind did eat up the seven well-favored fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. The thin ears devoured the rank, the seven rank and full ears. Pharaoh awoke, behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning, his spirit was troubled. He sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. We dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. There was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. We told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, to each man according to his dream he did interpret. Came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored into my office, him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. They brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself, changed his raiment, came in unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream. There's none that can interpret it. I've heard say of thee, thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, in my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat flesh, and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor, very ill-favored, lean flesh, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and ill-favored kind did eat up the seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. But they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke, and I saw in my dream, behold, seven ears came up on one stalk, full and good. Behold, seven ears, withered, thin, blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven good kind 
are seven years and seven good years are seven years. The dream is one. Seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty years passed with the east wind shall be the seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Okay, now, we've come now to this history of this great transition for Joseph. This is his big change when he's going from his state of humiliation to his state of exaltation. And that's why this chapter has our attention, because as we see this in Joseph, we've seen in every Christian what we're all going to experience as we're going to transition from this life of trouble and oppression and affliction and humiliation by death through to a deliverance from this world into an exaltation in heaven. And this is what Paul was telling Timothy, his son, when he said in 1 Timothy 2.12, he said that if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now, this chapter opened, as we saw in verse one, with the reminder of the sufferings of Joseph when it says it came to pass at the end of two full years. By the time chapter 41 has opened, Joseph has been languishing in the prison for two years. There's there's a big gap of two years between the last verse in chapter 40 and the first verse in chapter 41 of two years while he's been waiting for this butler to keep his promise. It's been two years when it's sunk into Joseph. I've been forgotten. This butler has forgotten me. But during those two years, what was happening to Joseph was exactly the same thing that happened to the weeping prophet to Jeremiah when he wrote in Lamentations 3.26. In Lamentations 3.26, he says, it's, a good, it's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. That's our man Joseph. That's what he's doing there in prison during those two years. He's hoping and quietly, quietly, it says quietly, quietly waiting for the salvation of the Lord. And so that's what he's doing for those two years. He's quietly waiting. He wasn't protesting. He wasn't protesting. The butler didn't keep his promise, that rat. He was just quietly waiting for the salvation of the Lord. And I shouldn't call him a rat anyways. (laughs) Sorry, that was what he wasn't doing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And Joseph was not spending his time as many prisoners do today, spending their time reading legal books and writing their legal documents so that they, uh, they're saying they were innocent and they were falsely accused and they want a new trial and they want to be heard by the appeals board. He's just quietly waiting for the salvation of the Lord. So in this chapter, that salvation and that deliverance came to Joseph and it wasn't anything that Joseph imagined. I mean, Joseph imagined that I'm going to get out of this place. I'm going to get released because I'm really innocent. And as soon as I do, I am never going to see Egypt again. I'm going to get out of here so quickly that the dust is going to be behind me. I'm going back home to Canaan. But that's not what happened. He had no idea that he was going to be so exalted to rule over all Egypt. I mean, even as I say it today, even as we think of it today, it's just astounding. You know, a a young Hebrew foreigner, abominable foreigner, slave, prisoner, should become the ruler of all Egypt? That's unbelievable. But this is the experience that in the life of Joseph that makes him, Joseph, a living prophecy for the Jewish people. Because it says in Psalm 126 verse 1 about the Jewish people, when the Lord turned again 
And boy, he does it many times. Praise the Lord for that. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them the dream. We had no idea. When Joseph was down there and turned his captivity, he was like, a, this is like a dream to him. It's like, wait, I got to pinch myself. Is this really happening to me? Am I really standing here, as we're going to see later on, and I'm going to become the ruler over Egypt? And whenever the Lord delivered the Jewish people, whether it was from Egypt, and by the way, Passover is coming up, which we're going to be celebrating at the Creation Museum. That's a plug for this Sunday night, <laughs> a week from today. Anyway, uh, when that comes up, we're going to be re- remembering that great deliverance. Or from Babylon, the Jewish people were like them the dream. They just couldn't believe that they were being delivered. And in this chapter, Joseph is going from being the tail, literally beneath the ground, uh, to being the head. And that's what's going to happen to the Jewish people, as it says in Deuteronomy 28.13. Deuteronomy 28.13, the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. Now, we saw in verses one through seven here, Pharaoh has these two dreams, and he sees himself. Pharaoh sees himself, and he sees, basically, he sees good came, and then he sees bad came, and then he sees the bad overcame the good, sort of the essence like that. And he doesn't know what it means, and he's very troubled. So we see in verse eight, he's very disturbed. He's, very, he's in turmoil. He has no peace about these two dreams because he doesn't know what to do. So in verse eight, Pharaoh immediately calls in the magicians. We talked about it last week, the wise men of Egypt to interpret the dream. And they come in and, and, and the grand show begins with all the magicians with their, in, 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 with all their incantations and their magic dust and their fire and their smoke and their lancing themselves and the blood and the cutting of the herbs and Oh, boy, they really had something there. And this Pharaoh's kind of sitting there, you know, observing all this, front row seat, and he's all like, well, okay, okay, and calling on their spirits, and finally, and, and then at the end, after they've exhausted all the means that they know how to do, the conclusion comes in verse 8, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. What a huge disappointment this is for Pharaoh. I mean, his magicians were very impressive, but they couldn't help Pharaoh when he really needed it. I mean, he realized, and as he was looking at this, I'm in this deep need right now. I've got these dreams that are just driving me crazy. And all the, all these, the, 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 the religious elite in Egypt have come and done everything. And I trusted in them. I trusted in these magicians. I trusted in these wise men. I trusted in the gods of Egypt, all the sphinx and everything else they have there with their statues. I trusted in that. But in the time of my greatest need, they let me down. See, that's what's coming to Pharaoh. I mean, what a picture this is of the world. The world's very impressive, but in the time of, in, in, the, in, the, in the areas of man's greatest need, you know, the, the world, the greatest need, where am I going to find inner peace from having peace with God? How am I, how am I going to have assurance that my sins are forgiven and I've got a promise I got a real promise in my hand that I'm going to be in heaven when I die. How, can I, how am I going to get cleansed from my sins? World's impressive, but the world can't help in those areas. Just like Pharaoh, the world fails to help man in his greatest need. And this is how Pharaoh felt. 
right now at the end of verse 8 when he says, there was none that could interpret them. Now, so with this great depression in the air, in this room, after the magicians and the wise men had, had done all their, their things and failed Pharaoh, we saw that all of a sudden in verse 9, from a corner speaks a person who's not supposed to speak. He's only supposed to serve wine. And, but, he's, but, he, but, but from this corner, the chief butler now blurts out, and what he blurts out is a confession of his sin. So he's, he, he, he's, oh, I forgot, I promised, I made a vow, I forgot. I was supposed to tell Pharaoh about Joseph, and, and now he's under this tremendous conviction, and he's gonna, he's, he, he, now he's going to make it right. He doesn't care who's in the room. And so he tells, tells this to Pharaoh in verses 10 and 11 that, that he and the chief baker, they dreamed dreams in prison, and there was no one to interpret it. And verse 12, then he makes his tremendous as we said here, introduction of Joseph. You know, that, that was tremendous. You know, instead of all these elderly, noble, pure-blooded, free Egyptian men, may I introduce to you a young, abominable Hebrew who's a slave and a prisoner named Joseph. <laughs> Such a dramatic thing. <laughs> and, and so, and, and, and he's saying, and, and, and this is the one that Egypt's salvation from starvation is going to come from. I mean, let's think about that butler for a minute. I mean, we, we talked about what he said, but let's think about what he was thinking. I mean, there's that butler in that room. And he had seen, he was sitting there, and he's just supposed to serve the wine, but he's observing everything. And he sees how all the best that Egypt had to offer had failed and had just left Pharaoh with this great loss. And this is what's in the air. Now the butler, before he speaks, let's just freeze that picture right there with all the failure, the depression, and the, the discouragement and frustration in the air. And all these people there wondering, I wonder if he's going to hang us like he hanged the baker, you know. And so, you know, it's kind of, you know, this was, anyway. So there was this butler in the room with all these highly respected elite, the, all the magicians, all the wise men of Egypt there, and there's this boss who he also realizes, you know, when he gets angry like he did to my companion friend, the baker, he just hangs them on a tree and lets the vultures eat their, their, their flesh. And now the butler, he's thinking to himself, you know, I know about a person who can really help Pharaoh. And, and I know this person can do what this elite, all these people here of Egypt can't do. And so now the, the butler is faced with a dilemma. I said, he's sitting there saying, should I speak? Should I say something? You know, and, and, and I mean, I'm not supposed to think. I'm, I'm not supposed to think. I'm not supposed to speak. He's not even supposed to think also. And I'm not, because I'm only the butler. I'm just supposed to pour the wine. And so, you know, let me think now. I'm going to start to talk about a young man who's an abominable Hebrew, who's both a slave and a prisoner. I'm really going to do that? You know, <laughs> I think I've got a risk here. You know, a butler that Pharaoh, he could get mad at me, you know, and, and, and that I'm going to tell Pharaoh, listen, Pharaoh, you need to be taught by the, <laughs> this young, abominable Hebrew who's both a slave and a prisoner. He needs to teach you. He needs to show you what your dreams mean. I mean, the picture of the butler now facing all these reasons why he should not speak 
is a picture is a picture for us when it comes to speaking out about the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost. I mean, just like the butler could have said, you know, it won't make any difference. It won't make any difference. They're either predestined to be saved or predestined to be damned. It won't make any difference if I don't speak. Probably the butler is not going to listen to me anyway. I mean, the butler. Probably the pharaoh is not going to listen to me anyway. So why should I speak out? I mean, the butler could have said, you know, when I say that I want Pharaoh to learn from a young Hebrew slave prisoner, and all these, everybody's going to laugh at me. They're just going to start laughing. See, those are the things that the devil tells us when we know that we need to speak to a lost person about the Lord Jesus Christ. But the butler broke through all those obstacles to not speak. And he spoke about Joseph, and he was bold about it. And that's how the butler is an example for us to follow. Now, let's look at what the butler says. The butler says in verses 10 through 13, he explains to Pharaoh how he and, his, and the baker had each dreamed and, and how Joseph had accurately predicted through the interpretation of their dreams what would happen. And that's what happened. So this is the butler telling Pharaoh how Joseph had helped him. And this is the butler's personal testimony about Joseph, and, and that's what impressed Pharaoh, was what the butler had said, this is how he helped me. And that's the most powerful message that we can bring to the lost. It's not a lesson on doctrine. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a reading of the Westminster Confession of Faith, but it's what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us personally. I remember how one time how I was talking to a lost Jewish man, and, and, and we were going on and on, and then he challenged me with one question. He just said, wait a minute. So what difference has Jesus made in your life? And I thought, wow, that's, no, I never had that question asked. That's a powerful question. I couldn't get that question out of my mind. I didn't sleep that night. I just got up and I wrote a little booklet. I'm always writing booklets, you know that. And I wrote a little booklet, you know, what difference the Lord Jesus Christ has made in the life of a Jew. And this is what's so powerful about the blind man and what he said about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was healed in John 9, 24 where it says in John 9, 24, then again, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. That's the thing he knew. That's the thing he said. Then said they to him, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered, then I've told you already. And you didn't hear. Wherefore, will you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? See, the strength of the message of the blind man was in one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. see. No one could take that personal testimony away from him. It was so powerful, and that's, this is what's true. The same thing is true, the butler. So, we read after he says this, the butler says this to Pharaoh, we read in verse 14, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Now, Pharaoh is, is, is obviously humbling himself here. Why was Pharaoh willing to humble himself to turn to such a person of low estate to come and help him and to teach him what his dreams meant? Why? It's obvious. No, no one else in you're the one in turmoil. You know, he was in turmoil. He had no peace. It was still there. And so, and why did we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? Why did we humble ourselves 
and, and, and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Same reason, because our souls were in anguish and we found no hope and no help in the world, in religion. So we turn to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's amazing here is that while all this is going on, where's Joseph? He's just sitting there in prison, another day in prison, you know? And, and, and he doesn't know any of these things are happening. And suddenly he gets this call, come up and appear before Pharaoh. I mean, can you imagine how shocked he is? You know, this is a scene, I mean, it's kind of like, us, when we die and we go to heaven, it's just the same shock, you know? And, and so for Pharaoh, he's called for Joseph. For Joseph, he doesn't know anything about it. Joseph gets this call, and Joseph is really like what it describes in 1 Samuel 2.8. 1 Samuel 2.8, where it says, he raiseth up the poor out of the dust. He lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory the pillars of the earth of the Lord's, for he has set the world upon them. See, he raises up the poor. That's Joseph. Now, it was the Lord who brought Joseph out of the prison. This verse says, that, that what we've been reading here, the king called, the king called for him, the king Pharaoh called for him. But this is what, what is happening right here in this verse when, they, when the king calls for him is described in Psalm 105, Psalm 105, as the time of his word came. It says in Psalm 105, verse 17, about Joseph, he sent before, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he, they laid him in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and the ruler of all his substance to bind his princess's pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. Joseph, we don't see this so, so much here, but Joseph, when he was exalted and elevated, he taught the Egyptian people wisdom. That was his calling, to teach the senators of, of, of Egypt wisdom. Not earthly wisdom, but the wisdom that's described in Proverbs 9.10. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of holy is understanding. Now, we read how fast this all happened to Joseph. This was just like so quickly when it says in verse 14, the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now, first, when we read here, they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. Literally in the Hebrew, it's saying, it reads, they made him run. <laughs> they made Joseph run. No, don't walk, you run, you know? And then we read a very interesting detail. Why do we read this here? He says, and he shaved himself. I mean, you know, you think to yourself, well, what's so significant about that? I do that every morning, you know? <laughs> Everybody shaves, oh, man. Okay, wh wh why? This little detail is very important. When it says, he shaved himself, it's important because it highlights, it highlights something very important. And there's a difference between the Hebrew and the Egyptian cultures. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.